Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. The following program contains names, places, and events that have been anonymized or fictionalized for the purposes of protection and safety. The following program is provided for entertainment purposes only, and any commentary from the hosts are strictly conjecture and should not be held as making any definitive statements about the truth or identity of any particular individuals or circumstances. If you or a loved one are involved in an abusive relationship, please call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-7233 for support. Hello, dating detectives. Good morning from the double D's. <laughs> <laughs> from now on, we're, we're not the, not the dating detectives. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait, one of us is not, not, not. Wait, oh. not. <laughs> On this episode of The Dating Detectives, we, we share are the our measurements. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> In case anyone was curious. Yeah. So, hi. How are you? Oh, I am so good because we have a very special sort of episode today. I know. I'm really excited about it. We have a guest who we've told everyone that we're having a guest kind of like this on, definitely on our Patreon and I think we've teased it, but we have a lawyer on who is a divorce lawyer, family law, who has 30 years of experience from New York. You guys, from she's New York. a celebrity, like oh, yeah. high profile divorce lawyer. Like she's, she's had some high profile clients. <laughs> her name is Leslie Barber. And the reason we wanted to have her on, first, she has a story of her own, but also we want to give you all resources and support through the types of stories we tell. We don't just want to like go through our dogfish stories and then be like, bye, figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> she has answered a lot of the questions you submitted about what to do legally, not only if you find yourself in a situation like some of our stories, but also to help prevent any legal issues, stickiness in advance. So, you yeah. know, stuff like move it, <laughs> moving in with a partner, getting married, how to protect yourself. Because a lot of that's, we get so many questions constantly that are like, how can this like legally be possible? And well, it's and it hard takes me back to the Dirk episode mm -hmm. when Dirk was talking about how he got taken advantage of for all his money. And they were like, why can't he file charges against him for using his credit card? And it's like he added him as an authorized user. So, like, stuff like that. But I'm excited to share with you guys like what she has to say about this stuff because I think you'll be totally blown away. We do have a quick disclaimer that we want to read that Leslie shared with us. So this is not legal advice, nor intended to be legal advice. Laws vary from state to state. So we recommend that before any legal action is taken, you should consult with an attorney in the state in which you reside. That's coming from Leslie, but yeah, we agree. But also we want to say, so before we even go into it, Legal action seems so daunting in some ways. And I know for me, I've always kind of had an idea that it's not even possible for financial reasons sometimes, but we've included in the show notes a registry where that you can go state by state and see options for pro bono legal help. So even though sometimes it seems like you don't even know where to start or this might not even apply to you if you don't think that 
you're financially able or whatever, you can access legal help. And not just for domestic violence situations, this can also be for prenup, postnup. I mean, we'll talk about a lot of ways to protect yourself in advance of getting into a relationship where you might run into some need for legal help. Obviously, knock on wood, we hope we never get there. But if we do, there are options for us, no matter who you are, what your background is, what your financial capabilities are. And hopefully we can learn from this episode and have a little bit more empowerment with that knowledge. Yeah, so I guess we'll let Leslie take it from here, introduce herself and educate us all. Let's get into it. I'm so excited. So... Miss Leslie, we are so happy to have you here. Can you take us away on your journey and tell us a little about yourself and how you got here? Yeah, I'm really excited to be here. So my name is Leslie Barbara, and I'm a matrimonial lawyer in New York City, and I chair the matrimonial department at David L. Hutcher and Citron. And I've been doing this for about 30 years. I've done probably 3,000 divorces. I represent celebrities, professional athletes, entrepreneurs, and I make it a point. I represent regular people just like you and me. And as our culture has evolved, people don't get married necessarily, but they have children together and they buy properties together. So I help extricate themselves one another, even if there's not a divorce involved, right? So my passion really is helping people get out of these toxic relationships and on a path to a healthier life. So when you say you're a matrimonial attorney, why don't we use the word divorce attorney? I know you said that you don't do all divorces, but does matrimonial attorney, does that include all the relationships where they're not necessarily married to? Yeah, generally, generally. Okay. And we do gotcha. things like prenups and postnups and oh, okay, orders okay. of protection. And we go to family court. I, you know what? I just think it's a nicer way than saying divorce lawyer. Like, yeah. <laughs> listen, you can church oh, it up. Matri- it's fine. Matrimony, matrimony. But it's, I like it's it. like, I'm a divorce lawyer. No, I'm really a divorce lawyer. But I do, but again, people are not necessarily getting married, but still getting into messes. Right. right. That's true. Oh, I mean, that's that a, a lot of point. They're not getting married, but they're getting into messes. Oh, yeah. And so many of the episodes we've done have been people who run into trouble because they're not necessarily married or they yeah. are mixed in with each other's lives, but don't know how to get separated, especially after mm-hmm. dogfish strike. Another reason that we were so excited to talk to you is because you have personal experience that kind of relates to this kind of unfortunate relationship trauma in a way. And yeah, I think yeah. I'm so, ex- I mean, let us know, tell us everything because tell we're grateful for all the story. The all right. So I'll dive right in. So I met a man, actually, I was a lawyer and he was a lawyer on Long Island. He was a nationally famous lawyer. And one day I went to court and the elevator doors opened and I walked down the hallway and he saw me and he called me over And he said, you know, you should come work for me. And so he hired me and it was the largest matrimonial firm on Long Island. And he had a lot of celebrity clients, wealthy clients. And he, he hired me and then clearly he wanted to start dating me. And I was very overwhelmed because I was, I was feeling like this really important person liked me. I was very flattered. I couldn't believe, you know, he took an interest in me. So we started to date and then we got married. And at first it was great. And he got me, it was like a a complete makeover. 
He got my hair done. He did my teeth. He did my boobs, designer clothes. I got a driver. We moved into this giant home on the water and it was like very heady. And you're still working together as well. We're, we're working together and we just had like a really wonderful life. I mean, we were really the golden couple. And, and all of a sudden, like it started very slow with this controlling behavior. So for example, he would tell me wear the red leather jacket. He would pick out my clothes. If I got to the office and he didn't like the way my hair looked, he would send me home from the office then he started acting a little paranoid. And, and then he, he accused me of having an affair. So that's like mm. also a bad sign because yep. the cheater thinks of cheating. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then he started getting addicted to drugs and alcohol. And so he started having an affair with a client and it just, it just started unraveling from the golden couple to extreme abuse, extreme control And he wasn't coming home at night. He would come home not at all or, you know, after two o'clock in the morning. And, you know, like if your husband is out after 1 a.m., nothing good is happening. And it sounds like he wasn't even trying to hide it. Like he was just, he didn't, he knew you knew. Yeah. That's exactly the point. Like, why aren't you even like making up some story? (laughs) It's just like, he he didn't even bother. That sounds so controlling. So controlling. But he's also like spent so, he knew what he was doing, especially as you were young, like to do the little things that build you up to where once it gets to that point, it's hard to wrap your head around what's happening to you. Right. Because it's like slowly, slowly, you know, the control starts. And then like, Ultimately, he asked for a divorce. I guess he got in deep with this woman and I was just like devastated. I mean, I really loved him. And people thought, oh, you know, she married a rich guy and he's famous. But I really did love him. And I was just, I was just beside myself. I was devastated. And I started to go interview with divorce lawyers in New York City. And apparently he must have gotten wind of it. But the thing that he wanted to do, most important to him, was to make sure that he got the house. It was beautiful, beautiful home. And he wanted me out of the house, so he devised a plan. And what he did was he got an order of protection against me. And one night I came home and I had brought home spaghetti and meatballs for dinner. And... We sat down and it was a very eerie evening. I just remember it was very strange. For some reason, we were eating in the dining room, which was our formal dining room for special occasions. And as we were about to sit down and have spaghetti and meatballs for dinner, the doorbell rang and I was then served with an order of protection. And I had done nothing wrong. I mean, I'm a mom, I'm a lawyer, I do Pilates. And it was just made up out of whole cloth all of these allegations. And he was friends with the chief judge. So I kind of knew it must have been a wink and a nod. And I remember sitting down and going, what's this? And he was said, oh, don't worry, come to the table. We'll sort this out. We'll work this out. And so we were sitting down and he like in like the weather vane snapped. And it was just like from this nice person who wanted to work on the marriage and told me not to worry about it. All of a sudden, he was like, you stupid fool. He went to see a divorce lawyer. Well, he kept on asking me for a divorce. So I went to consult with a divorce lawyer and he's like, you stupid fool. How dare you? And he did something to injure himself and he did injure himself and he ran into the kitchen and he went 911 police emergency. My wife did so-and-so. 
and the police came. And unfortunately for me, right, my son was on the uh, upstairs. My nanny was downstairs. So nobody saw that he actually did this to himself. So when the police came, I said, I didn't do this. Now, <laughs> of course, everybody who's arrested for a crime said they didn't do this. So, you know, but I really believe that it was not credible for me to be arrested because I think if anyone really just took note of the situation, um, the disparity in our heights and our weights, my background, the fact that he looked like he had self-inflicted wounds on his hands, they should have made a, a correct decision. But they basically said to me, okay, crazy lady, you didn't do this. You, you know, he did this to himself. Come, come on, crazy lady, come with me. And I'm on my way to jail, right? Oh my God, And I go upstairs, right? And this is really the heart-wrenching part. I go upstairs to my son and I'm like, mommy's going to jail tonight, but I'll be right back for you in the morning. And in one instant, because, because he had me arrested, he was able to get an order of protection against me. The order of protection effectively vacated me from my home. And then he was my boss, so he fired me. So in one fell swoop, I was homeless, jobless, and a criminal defendant charged with a crime I did not commit. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. So the sun is now going down at like 4 p.m. and it's making it very hard for me to function in the evenings, afternoons. It gets dark so early. Seasonal depression is so real. And then also, I mean, Thanksgiving's coming up. The holidays are coming up. How are you feeling? Well, this time of year could definitely be a lot. I'm constantly thinking about like, oh my gosh, like who's coming? What are we making? Mm. And it's like this big, giant overthinking brain. And I'm definitely an overthinker already. So the holidays don't help my anxiety about it. Well, we're here for you, but so is better help. With Thanksgiving coming up, I absolutely was just talking to my therapist about ways to go into the holidays with healthy expectations, but also a touchstone of my own equilibrium in emotions. And what's nice is that I can text my therapist. So even as this holiday season gets insane, like BetterHelp makes it really easy to communicate with the people who help you feel better. Well, especially I am someone who I work on my phone. And so being able to text my BetterHelp therapist and oh, be like, yeah. I need help. I love that they respond back. Like that is just, that's the way, that's the way that I prefer to communicate. So that makes it amazing. Yeah. I mean, having access to therapy and mental health support, that's so easy and online and flexible with a schedule as crazy as a holiday schedule is game changing. If you're someone who overthinks like I do and you have anxiety that pops up, give BetterHelp a try. I think you would really benefit from it. It's convenient. It's flexible. It's suited to your schedule. And it's just really easy to get into. It's all online and they have you fill out this questionnaire and it'll match you to the perfect therapist for you. It's pretty rad. I like it a lot. I think everyone can benefit from putting energy, like we all deserve to feel our best. And even in the best of times, we're building skills for when things are harder. So now's the time to start prepping for the holidays. <laughs> Find your bright spot this season with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash TDD today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash TDD. So I go to jail. I get my phone call, you know, you get your proverbial phone call. 
I call my first husband. He's the father of my children, mm-hmm. former federal prosecutor, oh. criminal defense lawyer. Okay. I tell him what happened and he's my lawyer. So I have my first husband as my lawyer and my second husband against my second, my then current husband. So oh like my the two God. husbands In court together, the two husbands in court. So actually my first husband was quite clever. And what he did was he called up my then husband and he said, you know, Leslie recorded this on her iPhone and you're going to lose and you're going to lose your law license and you're going to be arrested for false arrest and you're going to you're going down. You're going to lose. And he panicked and he let the D.A. know and the charges against me were withdrawn. And ultimately, I got back into my home and I got a job in the city. I'm now at this law firm, Davidoff, Hutcher and Citron for almost 15 years. I chair the matrimonial department. There was no matrimonial lawyers when I came here. Now we have a team of seven lawyers and it's the tale of how I came back to tell the tale. So, you know, at the end, it's a good story of resiliency and fighting to get to get back on top. So I finally made the break, got the divorce, you know, dispensed with the order of protection against me, got back in my home, got a job. And, you know, he just really started to unravel after that. And I think he just couldn't take the fact that I had done it. I had escaped. And I don't think he, you know, he couldn't believe that. And he wasn't well. And instead of getting well, he decided that he would come after me and try to get money out of me. He was saying, I have this dirt on you. And if you don't give me money, I'm going to, I'm going to tell everyone, but I need $200,000. And, and he started doing things that like he showed up at my job. He texted me very strange things like, check your trunk. There's something in the trunk for you. And just very odd unwanted texts, uninvited show up at at my office. And that's when I started to try to get help and get an order of protection. And I really couldn't. I mean, I would go to the police office, police precinct, and I'd say this and that. They, They would just write it down and they would say, you know, this, this doesn't meet the requirements for aggravated harassment or for ha- harassment. And I remember speaking to my therapist who's like, if this isn't harassment, what is? So ultimately, that's when I called an attorney and I told him what happened. I went to his office and I actually made a binder for him. And I would, you know, did a chronology and listeners should know that this would be something that they should do if they, they need to make a record of what's transpired, it would be very helpful for them because it's hard to reconstruct things when you're in the middle of it. And it would be very good to give to the police or the district attorney's office. So I made this record and and I spoke to him at length. I told him what had happened to me. And he said, I'm going to call over to the district attorney's office. I'm going to speak to the head of the Domestic Violence Bureau. And he did. And then I went in and I gave them my book too. And then they subpoenaed the records because they wanted corroboration that these texts really did come from his phone and all of these things. And all the phone calls came from his phone. And then they did ultimately give me the order of protection. So the bottom line is that I am an Ivy League educated attorney with resources. And this happened to me. Mm -hmm. So that means this, exactly, this can happen to anybody. 
Yeah, that's what we try to say when we have guests on the show and they're like, oh, I'm just so stupid. I can't. And I'm like, no, 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 no. This isn't about stupid. This happens to very intelligent people. How do we all get caught in these things? How do like <sighs> intelligent people get, get caught on this? So, I mean, I think that, you know, the lesson is if, if somebody is harassing or stalking you, there are steps you can take to to help yourself and protect yourself. You know, I don't mm-hmm. know that there was... For me personally, I should have taken action earlier. I was just sitting there, sitting there. I mean, you've also been in the middle of an abusive relationship. Like it is so hard. I think the hard thing about the good and hard thing about our podcast is like an episode like this. So we're going to talk about ways that we can protect ourselves. We don't want to live in constant fear that this is going to happen to us. But it's also nice to prepare so that when if you, God forbid, find yourself in a position like you were in, we have more tools to navigate it. So we have a lot of legal questions for you from our listeners, but I think a good place to start is on what you've described, this stalking harassment situation. How do you go about getting an order of protection? Can you take us through that process? Also, like, what do you do if you're in a situation where police are not listening to you? What are the options? I know you've touched on this in your story, but just to be like really clear. Can you take us through that? Yeah, absolutely. So if somebody's harassing you, and that could include various kinds of things. I mean, it's very clear if somebody punches you in the face and other people see it, there's going to be an arrest. But it's the more nuanced things. Yeah, like, I would love a like a, a basic list of harassment because I bet there's a lot of people who don't realize that they have a case even. Right, right. So the definition, I mean, of, you know, harassment is behavior that's designed to annoy and alarm you. So let's suppose you get a text like, you're a fucking coward, or incessant phone calls, you can get like 12 voicemails, constant calling. And then, you know, we had a client that he actually came to the office, and he started like going up and down the hallways Mm. in the office and showing up at the house. And the first thing you need to do after those kinds of events occur is you need to make a record. You need to put in writing, do not contact me in any way, shape or form, no contact. Right. And if that doesn't work because we can't control other people, we can only control ourselves. Then you can take the next step and then you can go into the police precinct and it has to be in the precinct where it occurred. Right. So okay. if this is all happening and go you're sitting right in the jurisdiction. city, yeah, go to the right, go to what the correct if it's jurisdiction. Long distance. Like what if the person's in another state or another town? You call right. their so police you, chief. OK, no. Well, you can <laughs> oh. do that. But what you do is you're you're getting a text. You're sitting in Los Angeles right now. You're the re- you're receiving a text in Los Angeles County. So, right? I do LA so, County. so you'll go to and then you'll go to the precinct in in your county. <laughs> Leslie, I have a question. You're talking about putting it in writing, you know, to say, hey, like to make note of it, right? I've also heard that if you're going through a situation where there's a lot going on, but you can't find a way out of it, you start documenting it, journaling, taking note of every time something kind of crazy happens. Does Is that right? Like, is that something that is that you might find helpful when oh, helping one of your clients? No, that's great advice. You you really should be documenting everything because ultimately when you when you file say a petition for an order of protection or you go to the police precinct, you're docu- you have to tell them what happened. Yeah. And if you keep a record of it simultaneously, you you have it 
for you and you can remember last Tuesday he did this. And there's things that happen like where people throw things or they're just like hovering over you. I mean, there's like menacing kind of behaviors. But yes, that's scary. Just, Have you ever had somebody say something to you and you're or do something to you and you're there? You're they're like, well, you did it first. You're like, oh, yeah, when? And they're like, well, I don't know, but I know you have totally it's like, always don't come. Don't ask me that because I will have receipts. You'll I will have, have written it. it all down and I will be able to tell you this happened. This ha and I think that's so important. Like whenever you're trying to prove yourself, it is. And if you go to the police precinct, that would be like, this is what's happening. And you can file a police report and ask to press charges. Mm -hmm. But if you don't feel like you're getting anywhere from there, right. then in go into case, the family court. I wasn't. You weren't. Okay. Family court next. Family court, plan B. So you can walk into family court. You need to be in an intimate relationship with a person or living in the same household, or it could even be a sibling. And you can just, like I said, you don't need to have I mean, I always recommend counsel, but if you really don't and you don't have the resources, you can simply walk in and you can fill out the petition and you'll put down the record that the records that you've kept, which is like on this date, this happened. And that will be the basis for your order of protection. That's amazing. So then when you, when you ultimately get your order of protection, and I actually had to go even a more extreme route, which was to retain counsel, they called the district attorney's office straight. So I kind of even had to go the, like, to the final frontier of this. And that was the thing that was effective for me. Uh, but once you get that order of protection, that is there in the system. And that's really what lays the groundwork because once that's in place, then what I was saying is the violation of that and the allegation of a violation of that is a crime. It's huge. You always hear of the horror stories where you're like, person's lying in a pool of blood holding up the order of protection. Yep. Like, what am I going to do? Throw it at him? Yeah. Yeah. It's like we can't, we can't fix every piece of everything, but studies show 80% reduction in violence with an order of protection. Wow. wow really? Yeah. Are you, yeah. Well, that's another reason that I think a lot of people don't report, but whenever you report something, even if there's no arrestable offense or if there's nothing, nobody gets arrested for a certain incident in a domestic violence situation, it, at least if something really bad happens and you call the cops and they're like, oh, this has happened before. Yeah, right. Because you never called us. And so by calling over and over, at least it's a record. It's always it's that record. record of that. It's that evidence that you're keeping a running record it's, of every time it happens. That's so important. And I'm glad you brought that up because sometimes when people get divorced and it's a 15 year marriage and the other side will be like, she's never reported this. Like now, yeah. suddenly there's a divorce and he's a bad guy and he's violent. She's there's never no reported record anything. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like part of the battered woman syndrome. Sure. You know, you want to you want to believe it's going to go away. Mm -hmm. um, you're scared, you know, you're to, scared call. to report. I mean, that mm -hmm. was my first thought when you said that. It's like, of course, it's ideal. But how many people are like, what if I call the police? Nothing happens. Then I'm back in this house and they know I called the police on that. That's you why know you write I mean? it down. You, you write keep it a, down. Se a secret notebook. You write it down, do whatever you got to do to keep track of it. Yeah. And I mean, if you can, if you can reach out to an attorney, they can kind of guide you. And there's also like domestic support groups mm -hmm. that are, you know, do not charge. They're part of the community. But yes, you should, you could definitely, I definitely advise counsel because we can keep a record. We could be like, she came to me. That's right. She's been like, somebody will call me and then not necessarily ready for divorce. Right. Right. But, but they're they... telling me what's happening. And then I have a file. Wow. There's so there's a lot of steps that you can take. So what? So family, go to the police, keep a record, go to the police, family go to family court. court. What's next? 
give give a notification that they can't get in touch with you that you're right you know, in writing relationship yeah in right put it into writing so and then after all of those steps one more thing you could do is obviously work with an attorney but if somebody's not able to have that resource we put a link in our show notes that helps people get pro bono. Yeah, there's resources available to you. So we we want we want you guys to know that that's just go to the link in our show notes. You can find all of that. So but OK, so that was a lot. And we also wanted to kind of get in with you other topics that have come up in episodes past certain. Okay. Le- the first one, a big one. Dirk's episode. Dirk's episode had a lot of questions around merging assets, especially when you are not married. So like moving in together, bank accounts, and he all that, that jazz. He put that fellow on as a co-authorized user on his credit cards and he, oh, he charged them up to Jesus. It was a lot. Yeah. How do you protect your, like it got into identity theft almost, but it yeah. was like a, he, it but was he, allowed. Because he put him as an yeah. authorized user. We're stressed. Right. So, so don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> no. But it's hard no, because I, mean, it, I understand because you get sucked in and it's, you know, it's like, to me, the most basic fundamental human desire is love and connection. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right? So we take steps to further that, even and if they're not the correct people. steps. Right. Because you don't want to have like nobody in your life, you know, right? You want to, you, at some point you need to thread the needle between being careful, but you want to have a partner, a family maybe, but if you're not married, if you're not married, I do not recommend combining any assets together. I think if you're in a relationship and you decide to share expenses, you can open up a joint checking account and you can decide how much you each want to put in and pay your bills. I, there's no real reason to put any assets together. Just at because all. there's no legal recourse if you're not married, right? There isn't. There, there isn't. I mean, there are certain things which I can explain that you can do. But there's just no, re- like, you're only buying a problem. Yeah. 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 Oh, my you gosh. Know? So, like, it <laughs> was so profound. It's so <laughs> good way to put it. It's a very good way to put it. Right. Like, I have this case right now, and it's just the classic example of a mess that didn't have to happen. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you have a young couple, they're about to get engaged, about to get married, and start a family. Right. But they're not married. Her family has money. He doesn't have money. He doesn't have family money. So her family puts in hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars and they buy a joint condo together. Mm. And both and their names. And, and yeah, it's joint. joint. Yeah. So shortly after that, there's an altercation going back to domestic abuse. He engages in a battery against her and it's pretty serious. She does not go to get an order of protection because she doesn't want to. Like this goes back to there's a lot of reasons not people don't do it. She doesn't. She flees the apartment. She's living on her friend's couch. Oh, her no. sneaker is her pillow. He's in the condo. Oh, and guess what? He crazy. decides he's going to stop paying the expenses. So, so much for the shared. So I get him on the phone and he's like, well, wait a minute. That gift, that was to both of us by her family. That was to Mm -hmm. both of us. So if you give me hundreds of thousands of dollars, I'll leave. Oh my God. So he's in the apartment. She's out of it. She's paying for it. He's paying nothing. Oh my God. And the family money from her side, he wants half of because that was a gift to the two of them, according to him. So, you know, here comes Leslie. Now, what what happens? Well, we're trying to negotiate. A resolution. We don't negotiate and with if terrorists. Not, 
Well, that's <laughs> dogfish. <laughs> we don't negotiate with terrorist dogfish. We got to get the guy out, right? So, right. So, what's the solution, right? So, what could she have done differently? What would what would I tell all of your listeners? It's relatively simple. You could enter into a cohabitation agreement, which is an agreement between people who are not married. And you could say, I acknowledge that this sum of money came from your family. And if we break up, I'm not seeking that. I'm waiving that money. And if we break up, then within, I don't know, 30 days, 60 days, I will vacate. So it's a prenup without a marriage. For moving in together, basically. Yeah, that's right. That's, that's exactly right. Babe, we should have got a prenup. Oh, sorry. Y'all, my husband is visiting <laughs> the studio because we're both in L.A. today. We, got, we moved in together before we were married. We should have got a, a pre- A cohabitation a co- agreement. <laughs> well, my job, unfortunately, is to look at like everything that can go wrong. A lot of times things go right, so that's good. Let's... We're thrilled for you, too, <laughs> that you did not I mean, need when, one. When, when marriage is right, it's a beautiful thing. winning the lottery. It's like winning the lottery though, right? So what's the process of getting the cohabitation agreement that I did not get that I should have, but it's fine. (laughs) No, I think you're good. I think you're good. I it's, it's a contract. So you have to say to this person, like, look, you know, there's a lot of money at stake here. We're not married. I just want to make sure that if it doesn't work out, that we're each protected and you, it's almost like approaching the signing of a prenuptial agreement. Mm -hmm. The thing about it is both parties have to agree to sign it, right? You cannot require a person to sign it. It's a red flag if they won't. If yeah, like for your sure. family is coming in and writing a check for a million dollars, you know, I'm not saying that happened here, but, and you're like, listen, this is just a gift to me and God forbid something happens, you know, that I'm going to, this is going to go back to my parents. And he's like, no, that's for me. I want half a million dollars. Ooh. You know, that's, be like, you gotta listen. I'm saying if we that were to happen, yeah. yeah. Now, does this, is this something yeah. that needs to be done with an attorney? Because you know, there's different resources online on like, like you can go to like Staples and get like any kind of like contract. Can you write it just among yourselves or does it have to be done with an attorney? Well, you should have, I mean, I recommend having counsel always for a lot of different reasons, the but verbiage. it can be done without counsel, but you don't want, you, you know, it's like, you don't want to, again, talk about buying the problem. You don't want to be like, oh, this was like forced upon me. I didn't have counsel because that's always a way to try to undo these contracts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I didn't know what I was signing. I didn't understand the terms. I didn't have an attorney. I right. was under duress. Okay. So having counsel on both sides really kind of militates against that argument prevailing. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's really but you can. I mean, you can. People do it. And it's better than nothing, right? Yeah. yeah. But if you, I mean, if you both have, if, it's just like a bill of sale. Like, have you ever sold like a car to a stranger? Like, this is, the, I sold a 1927, just, whatever. Yeah. This is the VIN number to this person. And it's just on like a, I don't like a tissue or something. <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, it's this like, is proof. I didn't know if those you were. You know what I say? Nothing's a problem until it's a problem. I like her. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I like I'm you. like thinking about, because I am in my 20s. And there are times where it feels silly to take steps like this because I'm like, I don't have a ton of assets at this point in my career. Like, I don't, you know, I sometimes undermine my own Well, no one does until they do. Because what if you blow up one day and then you have it next thing you know? we are going to. (laughs) We're on our way. But I mean, you're, yeah, you you haven't reached your full potential yet. And Mm -hmm. it's also nice to hear that because sometimes the barrier is like, do I really need to spend a ton of money on an attorney where it's like, no, there are ways to protect yourself without 
And it's nice to know that, especially for our listeners, that there are alternatives out there to reaching out to an attorney who might charge, you know, however much for a consultation or just whatever it is. But it is nice to know that there are at least resources out there. And this is straight like you have access here to an attorney who's basically saying the right steps to take. This cohabitation. Also, I, I, I don't I don't charge for consultations. Some people do, but I don't. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah, it's kind of hit or miss with those. Some people do. I, t- to me, I, I don't. I feel like people just want to get a sense of who I am and sure. get a direction that they're going. And some people are just like not quite ready to go forward and mm-hmm. they just want to get a feel and then they can come back like seven, eight months later, you know? That's yeah. good. I feel totally. like you're going to get calls after this. Mm-hmm. You're amazing. So we actually, we asked some of our Patreoners what questions that they had for our, our expert so, dating detectives attorney. Yeah. So we asked them what questions they had for Leslie. And so they sent us quite a few. So Leslie, do you mind if we fire them off? Let's go. Let's okay. do it. I want to start with Kate's question. Shout oh. out to Kate. Okay, let's do Kate. Kate says, I need all the deets on a prenup. Are they worth it? And can they really protect you? I've been reading that prenups are worthless and can be thrown out given the right testimony in court. Curious about how to protect yourself and your business in the event of a divorce. That's a good point. Great. Business. Yeah. Yeah. No. So getting a prenup is a hard yes. Okay. It's a hard yes. And I would say, just ask Paul McCartney, who wrote a check to Heather Mills for over $100 million. Oh, there was no prenup. And get that bag. if you remember, that was a long time ago. But oh, by the time they went to court, she was convinced she wrote, hey, Jude, you know? <laughs> she was like, I am Paul McCartney. Wow. Get a prenup. Yeah, like, yeah. But, you know, you do have to follow certain protocols for it to be enforceable. And it's common sense. So each person should have a lawyer. They should have financial disclosure. You, you should not sign it on the way to the chapel. <laughs> oh, God. I've <laughs> I'm sure. seen that. And, you know, it does. And you have to have like meaningful representation. Like I have a case where the prenup, right, had like a blank on it. And then like the lawyer wrote his name. And apparently it was just like, hey, could you just so- be like my lawyer for this? And he just like signed his name. And that's oh, not meaningful representation. Yeah. Like oh, that was like 10 minutes. That's like a bubblegum lawyer. Like put a quarter in. Exactly. It. Yeah. Got it. Exactly. So you really should have meaningful representation. And the thing about it is you don't need to have, a, you can have a bad deal and it's upheld. And you can, you can protect your business. You can specifically say that every asset, you can, actually the prenups that I do today are typically like everything is separate. Nothing's marital unless you decide to make it marital. If you put it in joint names, it becomes marital. And then if like, I have a, like a, say like a wealthy spouse, say one spouse is wealthier than the other, then I say, okay, and for each year of marriage, you get X dollars. And logically, the longer the marriage, the more money you get. And if there's children, you might get more things in the marriage. Mm -hmm. But it's like everything's separate. I just make it very clean, unless you decide to make it marital. And just sorry to interrupt. So a thought just popped in my head when you have a a couple that is married and you have, let's say one of the one of the spouses enters into a job or a business where they end up making a lot of money. I was going to say, and the other. Yeah. And it like now now he's making a ton of money and she's still making her $60,000 a year or whatever. Like, can you do a prenup after the is it? Can you do? Oh, yeah. No, you totally have great. You have totally great instinct. No, no, really good instinct. Because 
that's actually called a post-nup, like pre's before that the marriage, post-is post after. And I'll oh, tell you so where post-nup okay. really comes in, which is very interesting and like kind of juicy. So you have a marriage and let's suppose the guy cheats. Well, that's what I was going to ask, the infidelity clause. Right, right. So if the guy cheats and she's like, I'm leaving you. And then he's like, no, 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 stay. And then she's like, well, if you want me to stay, then we need to redo the deal. <gasps> this time I get the house. Oh. So you see that. But to answer your question about cheating clauses. Okay. Is that what you're going to ask I was going to ask about, about infidelity clauses. But that's, yeah, not, wait, so, that's not fair. I know that's... You can't just be like all willy nilly, like, oh, you cheated. So now we need to change the prenup. That's that's manipulative, right? Like you can't do that. Well, you, uh, you can. You That's blackmail or right. Well, think about it this way. <laughs> it's like if, you know, people have free will. So you could decide that you want to leave the marriage if they cheated or you just you can decide I'm going to stay. I'm going to work this out. But if this, this happens again and we get divorced, then I want to know that I'm adequately protected. Interesting. It's giving right, succession. so it's a little bit of a succession. Did you watch succession? Yeah, I like that. Show. The woman would always like just different... be like, "It's fine. I just need more money." Like that was the whole <laughs> Logan yeah, Wise wife. Not very romantic. Yeah. Not very romantic, but but yeah, there's like cheating, cheating clauses. I think it was reported that Michael Douglas and Catherine Zeta Jones had one where I think if he cheated, she he she would get an extra four million dollars, but. <laughs> I would I think, want him to cheat. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. Yeah. Oh you would send God. over, Mackenzie would send over a person and then like have a private investigator. <laughs> yeah, like, like, could you him? I get four mil. We'll get back together later. <laughs> See so, ya. Bye-bye. So I think the problem really, think about it is like, so what's cheating? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to do, I mean, I was thinking, that's that too, you see like, that's my surveillance stuff that's where that's why they whenever there's a prenup they want to identify what kind what level of cheating this is are they being sensual just, are they did he like a picture of a girl that was in a bikini because yeah. some people think that's cheating or no. is he <laughs> is he about to walk into a hotel room with her yeah and that's the kind of cases that i get it's like they want to know like proof positive like what kind of cheating is it can you define right. that in the prenup? Like, I guess you could. Do I think it's enforceable? I don't know. It's, it's not like, provable. Oh, yeah. Like even when I do surveillance, like you can't see them. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you can only see, you know, so it's well, like. You can, it's like you can infer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's all can, it is, inference. Yeah. That's all it is. Oh, that's tricky. Yeah, because that is Carolyn. Shout out to Carolyn wrote, like I've heard that infidelity clauses can get thrown out pretty easily. Is that even worth it? Yeah, so, so Carolyn's onto something. So I also, the funny <laughs> thing is I've seen like weight weight restrictions. What? I would be so out. I would be like out of every prenup. Like <laughs> that's disgusting. Yeah, I would be. Me. I'm like I'm over the limit. I'm out. I'm big. Know? Like but, I'm wide load coming through. Like you can't. I mean, that just makes me like. <laughs> Sad that's just that. awful. That's, that's just awful. And I was just thinking, like, how, like, how would that play out, right? You bring the spouse to court, you make them go on a scale and be like, "You're over the limit. You lose your couch." But like, how she... would that play out? <laughs> you lose your couch. I don't think it's enforceable because okay, also, good. like, think about it. What if it's like you gain weight because you're pregnant? Yeah, you're I was gonna say there's so many you... like. Re, there's are you like took steroids and that sometimes you can't help you it know. like sometimes it's like something a medical condition like you can't help i mean that's yeah, just like, like it's just, a medical, i'm fat yeah. as cheetos by the way but there are medical conditions where you like you gain weight i so mean, like what are you gonna do like go on keto <laughs> so you don't get a divorce 
I hate that so much. I hate that. I don't like that. I don't like that. Please don't marry anyone that does that. Everyone listening. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. that should be, you should go away. That'd be like, no good. Okay, wait, more questions. Let me see. So we talked about, Nicole asked about combining, protecting yourself when you're combining assets, entering into relationship, bank accounts, rentals, investments, inheritance. We talked about that. Anything else on that? Or I feel like we kind of covered We covered that one. Amazing. And then- Okay, JJK wrote, as a paralegal, I see some people claim that common law marriage are still, marriages are still a thing, which is no longer the case in the vast majority of states. Also, a lot of people still think that you're automatically in a common law marriage simply if seven years pass, which is not true, and that a common law marriage gives you the same rights and benefits as if you'd actually gotten legally married. I'd love an update on the law in this area, recognizing that, of course, it would vary by state. Common law marriage. That's a good question because right. that is, it's common knowledge that, oh, seven years were commonly married. Married. No, there's like, that's completely, I don't know, urban, what do they call that? Urban, urban legend. legend. Urban legend, urban yeah, myth, that's like, It has like nothing to do with reality. Okay, so great. common law marriages are actually not common, no pun intended. <laughs> there's only a few states in the country that honor that anymore. So there's about eight states. But it's very, very interesting because- we have in this country full faith and credit. So if something is considered a marriage in South Carolina, when you come back to California or New York or wherever you live, if you had established a common law marriage there, you're married wherever you return to. Okay. So that's like pretty scary because Wait, if what? you're like, well, full faith and credit, United States Constitution, we... If something's a law there, we honor that well, law. That, so it's like reciprocated, yeah. Right. So if and it's not like it's not, oh, we've been together seven years. The standard is more like, did you intend to be husband and wife? Did you hold yourself out as husband and wife? Right. Did you live as husband and wife? Does consummation so still make a big difference in some of those in some of your cases? Yeah, really. You need to consummate them. Yeah, you need. Otherwise, you can ask for an annulment based on. That's so biblical. We never consummated the marriage. Oh, yeah. so that's another question. Was annulments like if you're in a situation where you're like, I got married to this guy, but I need to get it annulled? Is the like if you have if you have consummated the marriage though, can you still get an annulment? Yeah, because you can get an annulment for different things. Oh, okay. Like, yeah. That's one of those things. Another thing would be fraud, like. Oh, I, you know, I want like six kids. And then you're, then you're like, oh yeah, I don't want any children. You can get an annulment just because it's. Yeah. I actually, I actually had a great common law marriage situation. I mean, it kind of, it's kind of weird. It's not necessarily common law, but so I had this couple I was friends with and representing them and they she wanted to get married to him so badly and he had gone through this terrible divorce and he's like I'm not marrying you so she just like picks up and she left for Texas where she had grown up and she got married and it was like a spite marriage oh she yeah it was <laughs> total those. spite marriage it was never a bad idea <laughs> right exactly <laughs> that always works out so anyway he was devastated she obviously thought she, you know, she was a little impetuous and they both come to me and they're like, could you, Leslie, help us, like help her get divorced? So I said, okay. And I was kind of working, I guess, with Texas co-counsel because it was a Texas divorce. And we found out that, she, that the guy she had married had a wife. <gasps> a common oh. law 
wife or a real like got married? Like a real wife. Like a polygamy wife. wife? And this is a big love right like here. Like it was polygamy, which we, yes, yeah, big love situation. <gasps> so I, you know, that's voidable. And then we got her at, and then they got back together, but they never married, but they're back together. What? Oh my God. All that just for them not to get married. You know, cause they, yeah. <laughs> She's like, I know, I know. <laughs> She's like, I have nothing more to speak on. <laughs> wow. That's crazy. It's interesting. Can't you just see if somebody's married like in public record before you marry someone? Well, that's such a good question. So this is all state by state and there's no federal registry. Mm -hmm. So if you're in Texas, you're like, oh, I've never been married or I'm divorced or and there's they don't like go into some national registry and see that there's a marriage in Maryland. So you can't check if you're marrying a dogfish who has another marriage. But if you're like, for instance, like. You hire Mackenzie. Exactly. Because like, for instance, in the state of Florida, if you look on, like, if you just go on like official records for whatever county in the state of Florida, you can find a marriage certificate. You can find whatever on that county. But if you don't know what county it is or whatever, yeah, you have to and check if they it. got married in, in, like Leslie said, like in Maryland, like I'm not going to go all willy nilly to every state and every county and start Ooh. looking up records. And some of them aren't available online. And it's a whole big, it's, it's a lot. Yeah, it should be. It's, There's no so federal there's registry. So. Wow, yep. there should be state by state, county by county. Like it would be nice if you had a website that was like United States of America. Type in the person's name. Here's a marriage married. certificate for Nevada, or here's a marriage certificate for California or Florida or whatever. Actually, we promoted Lisa's Law for a national registry. Oh my God, that's a good. So you're trying to get that passed that we right, get a national that we registry. That, that would help so a lot of people can, catch a dog and have knowledge. That would help so many private investigators do our damn job. Yeah, true. Oh, my God. That's so interesting. Lisa's law. But, yeah, it's weird. Like, you think that you could get married. And and also, like, when you're getting married, you're like, hey, let me just go and make sure that he doesn't have another wife. Right? You shouldn't have to. But, yes, I guess it's not a bad idea to just check. Yeah. And if you think that you're checking that, it's a red flag in itself. You're like, if this is crossing my mind, might want to investigate. There are two more questions that I would love to cover just to have them because they're a little different. Okay. The first one is how common are dogfish situations in divorce? This is from Ashley. Yeah, in divorces. Yeah. Have you ever handled a case where the client was a con artist victim or the client was a dogfish conning, something like that? And they were married. Good question, Ashley. Yeah. And then, of course, the follow-up is like, what are some ways to protect yourself from this happening? Identity theft or... They said that specifically, but dog fishing. The way I see the dog fish is situation is like, I'll get a wife who walks in very unhappy because they've discovered their husband has an entire other family. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so, so common he, to you guys. So he's the dog fish. Right. And yeah, so not a case, but a lawyer that I know in the community had a husband, has children, thought she had a good life and found out that her husband had another like full relationship, full <gasps> family. What? And he lived right across the street. What? With her. Oh, my land. Yeah. Wait, how? How long did that go on? Yeah, he kept her. I, do, I don't know. I mean, it was like, it was, a. I remember it was like a big thing. It was very explosive. It, like right in the neighborhood. It was across the street. I want to write that. Exploded. Like just him I mean, I personally across... couldn't imagine living a double life. 
I can't live my own. Like, it's so, it's so busy. How do you do two? Also, like, what if you guys are trick-or-treating? Yeah, no, that was, it was very bad. Oh my God, bad. she said, what happens when they go trick-or-treating? <laughs> I, rep- I represent this guy. He had married, he's in his 70s. He, he married, a, you know, a woman he met in a strip club. Uh-huh. And, you know, clearly one would think you'd know better, but she... She really, I guess she was like the dogfish or catfish or whatever you want to call it. And she extracted a lot of money out That's of him. That's called a sugar baby, Leslie. <laughs> oh, so she was. Sugar baby. She's a sugar baby. She was getting a dog, bag. A dog sugar baby. <laughs> dogfish sugar baby. Dogfish sugar baby. <laughs> so yes, I do see it. And that's like, I've had it happen more than once. More than once. How do you protect yourself once you're already married to someone though? Like, what do you, how do you, if you find out that they have a, another family, how do you protect yourself when you do get married? Like you can't, there's no way. No, you know, I, I hate to say this because it's like, I'm trying to give people steps that they can take to protect themselves. Sometimes you need a little luck in life. It's yeah. True. Yeah. You know? Sometimes like you just used to, in the beginning, when you start dating someone, like you don't trust them right away because you don't know them. And then little by little, you give them your trust. And by the time you're married, like that's probably a time when you've, you're giving them your trust. Like, that's it. Like I'm all in with this person. And then it's like, please don't screw me over. <laughs> like just because uh, I've given you everything. I don't know what I guess just always thinking in terms of like, if I had to be independent again, whether that be because of a natural death of something that's like that or a worst case scenario, dogfish scenario, divorce scenario, anything like for me, at least I just hold on to, I'm always going to make sure I could live independently and get out if I had to. Right. That is so I don't so know how important. to do that always, I, but I think just the mindset. I think you always need a woman should always have some resources of her own. Yes. Mm-hmm. I think she should be able to stand on her own two feet. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's really, really important that you don't become one of these people like, oh, I don't know where the money is and he does everything for me. And, I don't, you know, we had a guest on the show that she was the one, the first one I cried on. Mormon. Yeah. The, yeah. With the Mormon story. And she was saying that he was. She was, she just trusted him. He, the money was missing. And she's like, where's the money? And he, I think you said you had, listened to that. Yeah. Because he was the therapist. Yeah, no, they had to keep staggering. Yeah. The therapist, the therapist. And he just had to keep saying, he was just like, oh, it's fine. I got it. And she just kept trusting him. And it was like there, it would, for me personally, I'm always thinking of like a solution. Like if something happens right now, what am I going to do? Like, I'm always thinking of the next thing. I like keep my head on a swivel, but there are some situations where it's like, I don't want to live a life like that. Like, I'm just going to trust my husband or my wife or whatever. And then unfortunately it's just, you got to have luck sometimes. And sometimes we have bad luck. And you, you, you should trust and you should make yourself vulnerable. But when you're in it and you see the signs, you need to pay attention to them. That's yeah. that's really what happens. Like that woman, she did see the signs. Sure. And she was just like stuffing them away. Yeah. Right. If you're if you think your husband's cheating, he's probably cheating. Right. And if that's okay with you, because you've decided like let I'll do my thing, he'll do his thing. Whatever. If that's so, I I make no judgments. I'm the last person to make a judgment. But if if you're thinking that this is going to go away or you're just going to ignore it. That's not good advice. Do yeah. not ignore what's in front of you. What's right Trust in your front of you. Have to- there mm-hmm. we go. Yeah. But yeah. it's hard to do. And we know that hindsight is twenty twenty. So hopefully this, this episode or these stories can help you feel a little better as we move forward. But yeah, no judgment or shame to anybody who's been through it because man, 
happen to anybody it, as we any, know. But it can happen to anybody. And we've seen right. like the some really great people, really smart, intelligent, successful guests on our show that they have been dogfished or lied to. And it's not about their intelligence at all. Like it can literally happen to anyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just like, like I said, to circle back to the beginning, the human desire for love and connection mm-hmm. is so overwhelming Absolutely, that, that we do things that we, we really know we shouldn't be doing or looking away from things that we should be facing. And actually I have a very funny cheating story just to lighten it up. This was a, a guy and he was having an affair and he was a fully married guy. And what he would do is when he went to see the girlfriend, he would take the dog. He'd be like, I'm taking the dog for a walk. So he would take the dog, come back. And, and one day he comes back and he didn't have the dog. And the wife's like, where's the dog? And he's like, oh, <laughs> that, that dog. Wait, he left the dog? <laughs> he left the dog with the girl, at the girlfriend's house. And he's like walking in. He's like, she's like, where's the dog? And he's like, what? Oh, the dog. my God. We have a dog. Where's your dog? And like, he's like, starts scrambling. He's like, oh, I went to the deli oh. and I tied the leash to the pole. Uh, oh my God, I have to go get the dog. And she's okay, like, so. Oh my God. That's hilarious. So I then mean, what happened? Like, did she catch, she's like, you dirty, rotten scoundrel. No, I mean, but again, like, you know, if you have a dog <laughs> and your husband goes to walk the dog and Can he comes back imagine? like an hour and a half later and there's no dog. So, yeah, something's he up. went to walk the dog and comes back with no dog. And the wife's like, where's the dog? <laughs> Could you yeah. imagine him just like scrambling? I love the idea of him walking in just like not even thinking. Because it's oh, too bad. the on- dog? <laughs> the deli. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, gracious. Wait, that's... Oh, whoops. Whoop. That yeah. is so... I couldn't even imagine. I, wow. uh, you know what? I have so many stories like that, though, on surveillance stories. I, man. Of men being idiots? What? Girl. No. And, and, and women. And all people. But, man, some men are dumb. These folks are wild out here. This question might be, like, a loaded question that might need more specifics to people's cases. But Tessa asked about child support. She says she has some drama, but in parentheses, she's like, I'll spill if you want. Yes, we do, Tessa. We do. But basically, the dad of her oldest owes over $20,000 in back child support. Through a state registry, he owns a house and goes on vacations more than I do. Where does his money come from? I don't know. He has another child whose mom has died, so he might be getting survivor benefits. But basically, it sounds like he's not paying this and she doesn't want to ruin their lives or make him and his current family homeless. But she's also like, how do I go about getting That's this a good child question. And I feel like a lot of yeah. people deal with yeah. taking and, advantage and, of child you know, the support. Good, the good news about all of this is that Again, remember we were talking about you don't necessarily have to hire your own private attorney. Family court, I mean, I'm speaking as an attorney admitted to New York, so you have to check this jurisdiction in each state. Okay. But family court is usually a court that handles child support. And it's if there's any court that you can manage to go into without counsel, you can go into family court and you could be like, here's my order of child support. He's in arrears and he's in contempt and i've actually i've actually put people in jail for child support arrears mm-hmm. you can go to jail for people, 6 months i know i've heard a story of somebody who moved their assets like overseas or like just made it look like they're not making the money that they actually are how do you like yeah you know i mean thing? that's like that's really a good question because i remember like there were some people that were like i'm going to quit my job and you're not going to get anything but it doesn't work like that. Like if you're an attorney, let's suppose you're an attorney and you're making 
$500,000 a year for 10 years. You can't just quit your job and be, say to the judge, well, I don't have a job. I don't have a job. Because that's, I don't have a job. That's not, it doesn't work like that. The mm-hmm. judge will look at, the law says, you look at what can you earn? Yeah. What have What's you your earned? potential to earn? What's your potential to earn? Mm-hmm. And they'll make a child support order based on that. So you can't like, you can't game the system that much anymore these days because there's like a lot of ammunition in our arsenal for child support collection because you can go to jail, you can lose your driver's license, you can lose a professional license, mm-hmm. you can lose your passport, you can have your wages garnished. And that's not a good look if you're like working, if you have like a regular trying job. trying to be a professional of any sort. Right. <sighs> and your human resources is like, oh, you're a deadbeat dad and you're not paycheck paying. is being yeah. garnished. Yeah. It's not. So there you, you need to get an order. You need to get an order. And then there's a lot of enforcement mechanisms that you can get. So in Tessa's case, it. well, it's, I get what she's saying where she's like, I don't want to ruin his life because he has a new life with, I think he has. So you now. either got to, you yeah, either got to go do? to the family court and you got to say, Hey, this is what's owed to me or whatever, or, or you got to do nothing. So it's up to you. Right. Retain counsel. Right. Or retain counsel. But yeah. the point is if, if you don't, if, if you take the position that you don't want to pursue something, well, that's up to you. Yeah. I understand that. But there are definitely ways that you can, you know. You can but get I your, see, your I mean, I see her wanting to be compassionate about his current family. Yeah. But also if you want, if you, if that money is owed to you and it's something that you want to pursue, then for your you, current family, then you're going to have to put them in that position. Like it's not your fault. Ultimately it's his, but it's their responsibility. And I don't think you should let them off the hook. Yeah. You know, it's true if they like are really sick and they really can't work and then maybe you give somebody a break and you do a workout, you can, you can do a workout. You could be like, okay, we'll hold your child support obligations and we'll put it on the back end and you can, you can do like a forbearance. Like people, let's suppose they lose their jobs. They can't right. pay a mortgage exactly. and do some sort of workout, but it can't be like, oh, never mind. I have a new family. But and also there's, like, oh, okay. And when yeah, you go no. to family court, Leslie, isn't it true that whenever, like if you bring something like that to family court and you say, hey, I want to pay child support. I've been working or whatever, but I'm just making enough to do this, but I'm, I want to, and I'm willing to, I'm, here's what I'm willing to do. Can we work something out? And like, you're saying like, you know, work out something where you, you can pay it so that you could he, do a workout. No, Absolutely. I don't think any judge is going to like make a family homeless to pay your child support, but there is at some point, like there is some, a foot needs to be put down somewhere. You'll, you'll be surprised how people can come up with money. <laughs> yeah. Real quick. He, he can knock on yeah. the next day. Oh, like yeah. judges will be like, Hey, you owe $60,000. And if you don't pay it, you, I'm going to I'm going to impose a sentence of incarceration. Guess Done. what? The day before it was due, the money arrived. Yeah. That's your problem, not mine. Ugh. Just like that. I mean, you know, it gets messy and that's always hard. But yeah, child, child support, support makes me sad. It's it's hard. That's really tough. That's hard stuff. There's that's definitely hard stuff. And I'm sure yeah, it's always case by case, but thank you for touching on it anything yeah. else do you have any those were all thank you everyone who sent questions yeah thank you to our listeners who sent those thank you so much for sharing so much leslie we're so grateful for you i know i really appreciate it i was really happy to be a part of this i think you guys are great thank <laughs> you and you guys also leslie is very very she's very beautiful powerful attorney oh, like thank you and her she's, info we've got that too yeah it's google.com but now you know her story i mean thank you for sharing yeah thank you for for sharing no it's important to me because you know some people would say by sharing this it's like not like a very clean proper side 
but it's reality. It's my life. It's who I am. Mm-hmm. And I think it tells the tale of how I fought back. I think that's what's the most empowering for me and for our listeners is knowing that there is there's life on the other side and it's hearing the the women and and the men too but let's face it we get a lot of women you know messaging us it's hearing all these people that tell us that they go through these things and this is how they're overcoming it and it just overall it helps people feel less alone so and if you're if you are one of Leslie's clients and you'd like to share with us your experience with her (laughs) if you want to share with us we would love to hear from you we don't have to but it would be really fun to and we could be anon we can be anonymous. You can be anonymous, but we'd rather you not because how fun would that be? <laughs> oh, man. We're so stupid. Yeah. <laughs> but it would be really fun. This could fun. just be the beginning. This could just be the beginning. Well, I'm sure we're going to get more questions because I, yeah, there's, all, I've learned a lot. I mean, I, first Same. of all, I'm going to write everything down. My takeaways are like, write everything down, even when you don't feel like it. Protect yourself, even when you don't feel like you need to. Keep records. Oops. Yeah. Get but a prenup. Even, even in like relationships, when it's, when anything goes bad and there's any red flag in your relationship, like, oh, he, he took us a, a glass and smashed it on the kitchen floor and it scared you or whatever. Things write like that, write it down, take a note of it, email it to yourself or whatever. And then like, j- because little and things like that. And maybe don't marry t- that guy. Probably not. Don't marry that guy. <laughs> yeah, definitely probably not. But it has been such a pleasure to talk to you. I'm so glad to meet you. Same here. This has been a lot of fun and I hope I've helped your listeners. And Definitely. A hundred percent. But I can't wait to, would you mind coming back at some point? Like, and maybe they'll have more questions or follow-ups I, I would or love to. I, we could have a dating detective in house like, in house matrimonial like, council. I'll be your, yeah, exactly. I'll be your, like your on call. I'll be like Judge Judy or something. Oh my gosh. Okay, a lot of food for thought, right, Hannah? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, very valuable info, and I can't believe what she went through. She really gave us, like, really good information, but if, like, if you guys are anything like us, I'm sure you have. Hannah, I'm sure you have extra questions. Like, if you guys have any additional questions, ask them. Like, we, uh, we sign up for the Patreon. It's $5 a month. Go subscribe, and we're going to be taking you guys' questions and see the most commonly asked questions and see if we can get more answers, like follow-ups from people like Leslie and some of our other guests. So if you have more questions, because I always, like, I I never stop with the questions. <laughs> it's fine. Of course. Yeah. Like where are they now type episodes. We want to bring people yeah, back yeah. as we, as time passes. And if you have thoughts or follow-up questions, Patreon is the definite, like number one place to do that. That's where we'll probably post those episodes and also make sure we can always get back to you. But send us questions, comments, compliments, um, to anywhere on social. Please. True. Yeah. Feed us um, and tell us we're pretty. Yes, please. That's all we want. Dating Detectives Podcast on Instagram and TikTok. We're on Facebook. And we have an email, investigate at datingdetectivepod.com. Send us your stories. Yeah. Your and actually, love. you guys, our Facebook is kind of blowing up a little bit. Like we're, we're really, our social media is, we're having so much fun with it because that's where we get to connect with you guys a lot. So go on our social media. You guys, I've been doing surveillance for like, this is now 17 years. And I am like, 
there I was so like, isolated for so long. So all of these connections are amazing. So keep like share our social media, keep connecting with us there because we love it. And of course, obviously, again, the Patreon, go subscribe. It is it's popping over there on the Patreon. I love I and how I love everybody being so involved. We're scheduling another live soon. So that will be coming up shortly for our Patreoners. And I mean, also, I was just thinking Thanksgiving, happy Thanksgiving, have a wonderful holiday. If any tea is spilled and you find out any stories about you or your family, you know Tell where us to about send it. them. Because <laughs> there's always tea at Thanksgiving. Tea and turkey. Mashed potatoes <gasps> with a side of tea. <laughs> That's going to be the episode like we need to air. Okay, what happened over Thanksgiving? And it's going to be called tea and turkey. Turkey tea. <laughs> tea and turkey. turkey tea. Oh my God. Anyways, we love you guys so much. And as always, trust your femme tuition. Trust your femme tuition. Bye, Mackenzie. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.